I remember this is, we had just been there a night or two and someone was kind of showing us around the town and they were, we were gonna go out and eat. And so we were walking down this little, the sidewalk and he said, okay, if there's any animal lovers, don't look left. And so what are we gonna do? We're gonna look left, right? And there's Fido hanging in the window, skinned, ready to eat. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome to another episode of My Grace Life Story. My name is Matt. I'm the Senior Associate Pastor at Grace Life Church, and I'm joined by Tim Martin, who's handling all of the audio recording for us today. And I have with us in the studio Dr. Randy and Linda Pounders. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing very well. Doing How well, are you? Brother Matt. Good. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We're glad that you are here. So you guys have heard these, and we've done a lot of these by now, and so you generally know right. how they go. So we're going to start off just talking a little bit about you guys growing up, and, and then we'll eventually talk a little bit about your conversion testimony. Okay. And you guys have done a lot of ministry in a lot of different places, uh, not just here at Grace Life, but your Grace Life story took you around the world um, in some ways, and so we want to get into that as well. But Dr. Pounders, we'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about growing up and uh, you know a little bit about your conversion testimony, how you came to know the Lord, things of that sort. All right. I'm uh, Again, I'm Randy Pounders. I'm 68 years old, so I'm getting a little bit longer story than some <laughs> of the folks maybe have. I grew up down in Franklin County, went to high school at Phil Campbell, graduated from there. From there, went to the University of Alabama, graduated with an engineering degree. What type uh, of engineering did you do? Electrical engineering. Okay. I didn't know you had an engineering degree. Did one year at UNA after that because I also was applying to medical school, and so I had a few more courses to pick up from that. Went to medical school at South Alabama, went to residency in Baptist Medical Centers in Birmingham, and then from there came back to Franklin County in Russellville, uh, worked there for several years, and at some point during that period of time, we did come to, ultimately started coming to Grace Life Church, because I started working some in Muscle Shoals as well. While we were at Grace Life Church, we felt that the Lord was calling us to do something more than what we were doing as far as just demonstrating the love of Christ and the proclamation of the gospel in other areas that were right. maybe less saturated with it than what the Shoals area is. Sure. So we went to Asia for about four and a half years, stayed there. After that, came back here to the Shoals area again, and I was practicing medicine here in the Shoals area up until now, which I'm kind of in a trying-to-get-retired stage. <laughs> uh. As far as uh, my conversion testimony, I grew up in church, grew up in a Christian family. My parents were both heavily involved in church from as far back as I can remember. So I grew up hearing the gospel preached. I grew up in under preachers who did preach the word. They did it every Sunday. Baptist church? Southern Baptist churches. So we were there on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Fairly early on, I believed in God. I believed everything I was hearing, Mm -hmm. but yet... I was not totally understanding everything. And so what I was actually believing in my heart was that this is a work-based religion. I got to do good. I got to keep the rules, got to follow the law. And I did know essentially the word of the law and was attempting to follow that because I'd always been exposed to it as young as I can be able, as long as I can, as early as I can recall being able to read. I was reading the Bible. Even before that, my mother was reading Bible story books to me, so I I even knew the Old Testament history. I knew the miracles of Christ, the parables of Christ, and that sort of thing. And so at a fairly early age, I don't know what the age was, I did the typical Southern Baptist traditional thing, walked Mm -hmm. down an aisle, said, I believe all of this. I was baptized, and that was the time when Everybody came around, hugged your neck, shook your hand, and that sort of thing. So I did all of that. And it was several years after that, and I don't recall the age, but we were in a typical Southern Baptist revival service, and the pastor was preaching on faith in Christ. And what does that really mean? Hmm. 
And for the first time, it was like somebody turned the light on. And in retrospect, I say the Holy Spirit did that. And I understood it's not about me. It's not about the works that I do. It's not about keeping rules and laws and and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's about recognizing that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ to take care of that problem. And he did it when he sacrificed himself on the cross for my sin. And I can't tell you at the exact point that I made that profession in my heart, but I do know that over the maybe the next year or two, I came to also understand that if I was completely obeying Scripture, I need to be rebaptized. Yeah. And so at a different revival service, I went forward and said, you know, before I was really not saved, I did not understand. I was depending on what I could do, on my works, and I need to be baptized according mm-hmm. to my profession in Christ. And I probably was 15, okay. somewhere around that age group at the time. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I, it reminds me a bit of my testimony, and I can remember, and you're probably like me, Dr. Pounders, you grow up hearing people preach the gospel and, and preach yes. it well. Yes. And, and, you know, I grew up here, had the privilege of, of growing up in a Brother Jeff's preaching, and so I don't know how many times I had heard him preach that it's faith in Christ, it's not works, it's yes. not the law. Right. And yet somehow in my own deceitful, sinful heart, I turned it into, I need to do good and I need to keep the law, and that's what this is all exactly. about. Even though that, I, that's not what I was hearing preached, that's what I turned it into. And, you know, uh, you saying the light coming on, the Holy Spirit doing that work. I can remember when I was 17 years of age, it was like, and it was, it was a work of the Spirit. It was like, wait a minute. It's not about that. It's just about trusting what Christ has done exactly. for me. Now, I had yes. heard that message a thousand times, but when I was 17, it was like the Lord really brought that to bear upon my heart and granted me faith in Christ. And I kind of look back at that now, and I'm like, goodness, why did it take me so long to get that? But, you know, those right. things are, you know, First Corinthians tells us only appraised by, by the Spirit. Right. Those are things that the fleshly man can't do. You know, we, we can't mm. force ourselves to understand it. And so... Yes. Yeah, I, I can remember that just just like you, the Spirit doing that work in my life, and 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 I know for me, when the Spirit did that work in my life, it was such a burden lifted. Of it was oh, I, you know, because I was kind of that people pleaser, keep the law perfectionist, and so that was very burdensome for yes. me. Because at the end of every day, I would have to realize I didn't do this right. There were some things I didn't do perfectly, and so when the Lord birthed that new faith in me, it was like. Man, I, I want to obey, but but when I don't, Christ is the sufficient sacrifice for right. my sin. So exactly. it was such a peace that came into my life. So so okay, so you're around 15 years old when 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 the Lord's doing this work in your life. So tell me about you know so so the Lord saved you, made a profession of faith um, through believers' baptism. So the the church you're growing up in, where you're hearing the preaching of God's word. What what was it like as far as others just encouraging you, discipling you? What was a lot of that taking place or did that happen maybe slowly over time? What did that look like in your life? I think that occurred slowly over time. Of course, during all this time I was still attending church. I was going to what we call Sunday school at the time. Mm-hmm. I was hearing the word preached every Sunday. I was in the word even, even I was actually in the word before I was saved. Yeah. But definitely things changed afterwards, and I was reading with new insight, yeah. new vision. Yeah, I, I could see new, the new spirit within me. So a lot of it came through that. That, and I would say that would be the primary thing: the, the hearing the preaching of the word on a regular yeah. basis, going to Sunday school, being in the word personally, and and plus the, the example of my parents. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. and so I was witnessing on a daily basis, even when we weren't in a church service, the example that was being lived out in front of me and my parents. So I, right. I would say it was all of that. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Linda, let's go to you. A little bit about, you know, your life and growing up and, and how the Lord began to work in your life and ultimately bring you to Him. Okay. Well... Let me just say, I am a city girl. You can tell by my accent, I'm a city girl. I was born, uh, raised in Hackleburg, Alabama. Yeah, the, so the, the big city the, of Hackleburg, yeah, Alabama, right? Yeah, you, you can't <laughs> blink when you go through, you'll, you'll miss it. But anyway, I'm a PK, preacher's kid. Daddy was, he pastored since I was, I mean, forever. So right. he's, he's always, uh, always pastored. So I've too have always been in church, you know, since as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Remember, and so I have 
what we hear a lot about. I think that kind of nine-year-old experience that mm-hmm. I knew about hell. I knew right. about hell, and I knew I didn't want to go there. And so Daddy was preaching a revival at a little church in the Fairview, just in the Marion County. And so I had decided during the day, this is what I'm going to do. When the invitation comes, I'm going to walk down this aisle and because I don't want to go to hell. I mean, who wants to go to hell? So I thought, I'll get that done. So I, that invitation, there I go down the aisle, check, check my box, fire insurance, and went on just to live my my life, you know. So just thinking, did that. We even got, I don't know why I remember this. We went to Dairy Queen or something and got chocolate milkshakes to celebrate my, <laughs> to celebrate my false uh, conversion, uh, which yeah. I didn't know at the time, but anyway. And then through, and even though I was in church and I, I had head knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, I knew a lot of stuff in my head, but I had this, this like gap between my head and my heart. And I never, and I knew there was a problem though, because I still love my sin. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't think about God. I didn't think about his righteousness or even his love. I was just like, you're not going to hell and we're all good. I kept, that was the story line. I kept feeding myself, Mm -hmm. but I never had peace. I never knew. And I I even read that scripture, but see, I was so biblically illiterate, even though I knew stuff. The first John 513, I think these things are written that you may know, you know, Mm -hmm. and I thought, that's not, you can't know. People just hope that and they convince, but anyway, I digress. But anyway, I thought you can't really know. And I just got, I had no peace. But anyway, then Randy came along. We married. Actually, my daddy was the pastor where his dad was the deacon. That's how we got together. And so we met at church. So how old were you guys when you guys met and eventually got married? Okay, you don't even need to ask that, Brother Matt. (laughs) Next question. Okay. That's part of your story. We have to explore this. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. Okay, okay. Ladies, don't let your girls date when they're 15. <laughs> I was 15, and my mom said, and he was 19. Okay. He, she said, the only reason we're letting you go out is because we know his parents. Okay, that's not a good reason. You just, but anyway. Well, we it could be. It, I mean, it could be a good reason. It, well, you mean, know, he's the best thing. Short of salvation, my husband's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Let me interject something here. I did not know she was 15. No. She was very mature for her age. There you go. He was and not. was after the fact. Uh, he was not intentionally was rocking the cradle. Uh, but as a matter of fact, I still tease him about this other person, and it makes him mad. So we can't get in a fuss right here. He's shaking his head for all you who are listening. That's his head shaking. It, it was either me or this other girl who was going to ask out. And I think if he'd known my age, but anyway. But anyway, we we didn't date a lot. We just, a few things. Usually we would go to our parents and play cards or yeah. eat or whatever. Is that sure. our, you know, but anyway, now my story. So anyway, then, so we got married and I still had this uneasiness in my soul, but I got to be saved. But I didn't have any kind of peace that I I didn't have a relationship with with Jesus. I right. didn't. Okay, so so were you like, would you and Randy have conversations? I mean, w- would you mention this to him like, hey, I, something's up here, you know? I, I don't I don't have this peace. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on. I, what was that like? So he knows. You know when I would have these conversations? It's like when your kids want to come to your bed and talk to you like at 10 o'clock at night. So for <laughs> I, so really for I was a lost church member for 25 years. I came to know the Lord here at this church. Okay. But anyway, it would be at night. In the daytime, you can busy yourself. You know, sure. we had kids and life. And I did everything I knew to do to try to be good enough, like choir, taught Sunday school, VBS, co- church committees, whatever, just just checking the my boxes, trying to get those Back scales, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm all right. But it would be at night. I would say, oh, Randy, I don't think I'm saved. First 20 years, y'all, he was just great. Oh, baby, let me, let's me let just look at this. Probably about year 21, he's like, for Pete's sake, Linda, you're saved. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's kind of, so, yeah, we talked about it heavily. Right. And uh, you know what? Nobody can, nobody can look into your heart. I, we just finished, you know, the Sermon on the Mount in a small group. And I'm not sure that if you didn't look up the word Pharisee in the dictionary, my picture just mm. might have been there because I was the external religion achievement driven person. Right. Mm. So you know, I've, 
it wasn't until we actually came here that the Lord brought me to saving faith. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. So, so how, how old were you when, when you came to Grace Life? Okay. Well, I am 64 right now, and we came here in 91, so I'd have to do the math. Okay. Okay. I was saved when I was 33, and we'd probably been here uh, a year or two. So okay. probably in my early Early Maybe 30, 30 31, something like okay. that. I don't know. All right. So, so since we're at Grace Life now, so what, what was that like? I mean, had you, when you guys first came to Grace Life, um, you know, was that transition, was that difficult? Was that something you guys were excited about? What was, I mean, obviously you're preacher's kids, so you've grown up and both of you had grown up in church. I mean, was, was that a... Was that a, a tough transition, or was that a hey man, we're here and we're loving it? Talk to talk to me a little bit about your okay. first time here. At Grace I did Life. not want to come here. Okay, I did not why was that? Why here? did you not want to come here, Linda? I think because I don't know. I don't even know what I knew about the church or anything, but I had created my own little comfortable world. Okay, you know, we were going, and I was teaching this class. At, we were at First Baptist Russellville then because we lived in that in Franklin County, and so I had I was I was off I was. I got my little bubble here. I got my routine. Mm-hmm. I, the salvation thing is probably fine. I'm just I'm just a worry wart, you know. And Randy said, then he got a job over here, and he said, I think we need to start visiting churches as opposed to driving back to, you know, Franklin County. And I'm like, well, okay. And he said, I think we need to go to First Baptist at the time. Right. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know why. And I think really that was probably the Holy Spirit we just needed to be here and it was yeah. him drawing us and I didn't stomp and kick or anything like that but again checking boxes I knew about submission so if he said we need to go there yeah we'll go there but I sure didn't want to come here but we did and it was through as again we called it Sunday school back in the day it was at during my class that the teacher just she kind of made me think it's going to be all right, Linda. She kind of <laughs> loved me in, so to speak. Right. So, And then we didn't visit anywhere else, I don't think, did we, honey? I, I think we did. And I think somehow this was, it was where we were supposed this to be. Yeah. yeah, and he was all about it, and I was like, whatever, kind of. Yeah. yeah, but I did like some of the people here. They were just so friendly and warm yeah. and just, you know, with their arms around me. So, Yeah. All right. And so you'd been here a year or so, you said, a year Probably or two before year or two, the Lord yeah, saved something you? something like so, that. Okay. And again, still those nighttime things. Boy, I hope I'm saved. Mm-hmm. But uh, so anyway, we went, we had a ladies' getaway, and it was at Gunnersville, Lake Gunnersville. Okay. And it was when Emily Barnes, she was here. She was a converted Jew. And her thing was organization. So that was like, she was teaching us all about organization. Plus she was a Christian and she shared her testimony, whatever. I don't remember much about that. Not even that organized. I'm going to be organized (laughs) when I grow up though. But I, so that part of her, but anyway, what happened where the Lord dealt with me was in a breakout session and Jane Bishop actually was sharing her testimony and Mm. she was talking about, she kind of had the same story I did and that, you know, if you got doubt, you know, you, you deal with it. You just need to deal with it. And so everybody left after the breakout session. I kind of hung back and I said, well, I've just, I thought doubt is just what we live with. And so we got to talking. Then D. Rich, you know, she mm-hmm. was like outside walking down. We were in a, in a hotel room. She And she called D. in. And so it just got real then. I think the Lord just at that point made me see that I'm not saved. And I... I knelt by this bed, and I'll never forget it. I, I don't know the words that I prayed, but I just said, Lord, I don't think I'm yours, hmm. and I want to be yours. It was not a King James prayer or anything yeah. <laughs> fancy like that. It was just pouring my heart out before the Lord, and I was tired, Brother Matt. Hmm. I I was um, – well, you know the verse that says uh, – and I can't quote verses when I have pastors looking at my face. I'll be honest. I can't. My brain just shuts down. You want me to close my eyes? Close your eyes. Don't look. But no, uh, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And mm-hmm. I was weary from all the work, yeah. all the effort that I was putting into trying to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I was I was so weary, I think. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just the weirdest thing, though. I knelt on that beside that bed feeling like a weight 
Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was the weight of my sin, but I didn't even know that right. really then, I don't think. But I promise you, I lost 25 pounds in that prayer. When <laughs> I stood up, it was like the weight was lifted. Yeah. And I cannot tell you, I can't, I don't have the words to say, the peace that flooded my soul. Yeah. Amen. And it hasn't gone away. Yeah. Now, sometimes he'll, he may question my salvation if I'm like having a bad wife <laughs> when I'm failing at wife 101. No, I'm just kidding, Randy. But it's just been, it's like night and day. Right. I had read the Bible through. I was in church. I had, I had done all the do's. Mm-hmm. That might be bad grammar. But I, I'd just done all the stuff. Yeah. And now... I've come to a place that I rest in Him. Yeah. I just rest in Him. Amen. It's not about me. And I was my whole life was about Linda, and, you know, and doing my stuff. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Wow. Yeah. So, Amen. I just I was in I was in line at the grocery store like a morning or two lady later, and there was a lady in front of me checking out, and I was just. She probably wants to know that I got saved a couple of days ago, <laughs> but I, you know, yeah. I'm still a little scary cat, so I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so I'm I'm saved. So Amen. there you go. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> you know, and it's you know what both your testimonies, and again, I told you uh, mine similar in some ways. The whole law keeping, I can yeah, do this, and, yeah. and and it is, it's wearisome, it's yeah, exhausting, it it's, is. it's burdensome. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, I always think of John three when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about the new birth, <gasps> yes. and you know, Jesus leaves room for some mystery yeah. right. with the new birth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, you just can't figure it out. I mean, you know, you're, you're growing up in Christian yeah. homes. You're hearing the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Right. You're reading the Bible. Yeah. I, again, I, my testimony is much the same. And, you know, then at, at, at some point, yeah. the Spirit of God moves upon your heart. And things that you've heard your entire life, right. things that you wouldn't outwardly deny, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. That's real yeah. to me now. Yeah. And, you know, there, it, it's it's supernatural yeah. what God does in our lives at that point. And um, it does. It, it relieves the burden of sin. It, it, it lifts that weight of right. sin that's in our hearts. Yeah. All of a sudden we've experienced the forgiveness of yeah. Christ through the gospel. Yeah. And yeah. all glory to him because yes. we spend our lives sometimes trying to do it and figure it out. And I'm gonna, and then when the Lord does it, it's all you can do is say, he did it. I right. know. He did it in no my life. Exactly. You yeah. mentioned John 3. Is that the chapter where uh, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will... Uh, I don't think that's in John 3. No, I think I've, that, lost, I've lost the address of that verse. We yeah. just, I think that's Matthew 7. Yes, right? that's where it is. Yeah. That's where it is. Yeah, it was in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where it's quite so familiar. But anyway, if I could have taken like a little pair of scissors and cut that few verses out of my Bible... That was that verse terrified me. Yeah. Because I thought this this sounds like it's gonna be me. Right. But anyway, yeah. That Amen. verse can stay in the Bible now. I'm all good yeah. with it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, so now you guys are you're, you're believers. You're at at Grace Life. It was then First Baptist, and so you know at, at some point in the life of you guys being here at this church, and Dr. Pounders, you already alluded to this a little bit um, when you gave us some background yourself. Uh, you, you begin to maybe feel a calling to. To go somewhere where the gospel is not real prevalent. Yes. Um, and that ended up being China. And I, I can remember I can remember that because I can't remember how old your boys were, but I know at least one, maybe both of them at that time were in the student group. I remember we had this big they student were, event where we kind of they, they talked were, about going to yeah. China and things of that they were sort. Probably Ten and twelve or something. Okay. Like that. So yeah. yeah. So I, I can remember that. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how how did the Lord begin to Maybe unsettle your heart with what you're doing here and prepare it for a little different work. And I believe you said that work lasted about four and a half years or so. Correct. So, mm-hmm. you guys, talk to me a little bit about that. That's a big part of you guys' Grace Life story. And it seems like that was a long time ago it was, now. It was in 96. Okay, so yeah, so late 90s. But yeah, mm-hmm. talk, talk to me about that and how the Lord began to to kind of uproot you guys from from here, which is, you know, here, Franklin County, which you'd always known, and then get you all the way over to a different part of the world to serve right. him. I would say even that, at least the flicker of it started even when I was a child. Okay. The church that we attended did have mission conferences, which typically would involve missionaries coming in who were here on furlough, uh, giving their talk uh, at our church. We would have them out to dinner, have them out to lunch, and that sort of thing. And during those mission conferences, the very first ones I can remember, I just remember thinking, 
that's what I want to be when I grow up mm. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but of course, that was some of that was probably under the emotion of the mission conference and some of the things that were being told and the stories that were being told and that sort of thing. And that, that would kind of ebb and flow and come and go. But it probably contributed some to my ultimately applying to medical school as well. I was happy with an electrical engineering degree, but then as I thought about it and prayed about it, my concept, and I, I, and I think this was an immature concept on my part, an immature concept spiritually, because I was looking at, I want to be involved in people's lives more so than what this degree is going to allow me to do. And the thing that kept coming back to me was, well, Go to medicine. You help sick people all the time. That's a good way to be involved in people's lives. And so that's what got me in going toward medical school and ultimately was accepted to medical school and finished that. The missionary aspect of things had kind of faded away at that point completely. And then when we went back to Russellville, the first thing that put First Baptist Church Muscle Shoals on my radar, we were actually in a Sunday school class in Russellville. I don't remember what the lesson was. I don't remember what the context of it was. But my Sunday school teacher actually mentioned First Baptist Church, Muscle Shoals. He said, at some point in my life, I'd like to be involved in that church mm. because it's, and I forgot what his terminology was, but essentially... He, he called a, it a true church, I believe, honey. It was, that was his implication <laughs> oh, uh, because it was a true church. It was an active church. They were actively pursuing what it, what God has called a church to be. Hmm. And so that, even though I don't remember the lesson or the context of that, that thought stuck in my mind and stayed there. And so when we moved to Muscle Shoals, that thought was still there. And we did visit, uh, we visited First Baptist Church Muscle Shoals at the time. We visited another church or two. But I kept, my mind kept coming back to that thought and brought me back to this church. And I also saw the church as being one, even though I'd been active in church, my activity as far as church did not necessarily extend all out through the community. I did all the church functions. I did everything I was asked to do at church and that sort of thing. But I was having difficulty making that transition to -to day-to-day activities. And for whatever reason, I saw that that was an emphasis here mm-hmm. um, at this church because I knew about the church-wide visitation. I knew that once we visited here, we were going to get visited on Monday night, <laughs> yeah. but we'd better be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe why I didn't want to come here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew if I was going to come here and I was going to still say Jesus is first in my life, And I was going to be engaged in this church in what I thought engagement in the church body should be, Mm -hmm. that I was going to have to do things outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So essentially it was like what Linda was saying. I was in a comfort zone where regardless of what I was doing day to day in dealing with sick people, this was something that was a little bit out of my comfort zone. And so that's what essentially led me to say, we just need to go there, period. Yeah. And then once we came here, of course, we we were having the mission conferences here. Early on, yeah, I would start to get that twinge again Hmm. that, yeah, I'm doing everything I'm doing as far as the church here in the Shoals area is doing. I even, I think I'd even taught, about that time, I think I had taught a class Mm. of younger men. I was doing the visitation. I was doing everything, but there was still this twinge that, the Lord was calling me to do something beyond that. And then probably after a couple of mission conferences, Brother Jeff actually preached the sermon because he said go, which was a takeoff on uh, Matthew 28, mm-hmm. uh, the, end of the, the end of the chapter of Matthew. And it was just kind of like, you know, the scripture is there. Right. And yes, go does mean go out into your church body. It does mean go out into your community, into your state, into your country, but also means to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, and it was not so much that I was jumping up and down, I want to do that. That's more like what I had when I was a child, the right. jumping up and down, I want to do that. Now, it was not, 
I don't want to do that. <laughs> I do not want to do that at yeah. all because I'm comfortable here in my way of life. Even in my way of church life, I'm comfortable with that, but yet that's a command. So, the, so what it boils down to is am I willing to do that? Mm. And so after, as a matter of fact, it may have been after that sermon because he said go. I think we, were, Linda and I, were both thinking the same thing, and we had not even discussed this. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to um, ask if you guys had really had any conversations. I don't about recall that any or? discussion prior to that sermon, and it was driving away. We were still in the car, and we were talking about it, mm-hmm. uh, or we started talking about it. And and the question to each of us was: Is is this is the Holy Spirit talking to us? Is God showing us that we need to be involved? Mm-hmm. And so I don't really remember when... I thought, had we not talked to Brother Jeff before that? My memory's awful, yeah, so my, probably not. The timeline is somewhat, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's okay. It's fuzzy. <laughs> that's okay. At the best, it's fuzzy. But, I think but it's at some point, yes, yeah. we, we did talk to Brother Jeff, and then... I think uh, that sermon was the line in the sand for us. Do you, do you remember it like that? The, the sermon definitely was that line in the sand. Either you're willing to do this or you're not willing to this. Not what you want to do, but this is what, what are you willing to do? Hmm. And so it, it, we kind of went from there. And then, you know, all this is set in the context of, the, the quote, the missionary or right. missions and that sort of thing. But then there also had been, and I don't remember where all this came from. Some of it may have been that sermon. Some of it may have been from other things. Talking about the vast number of people, the vast number of countries out there that uh, do not really have a a Christian witness. Mm -hmm. They don't have a church in every city. They don't have somebody preaching the word on the radio or on TV. They don't have access to podcasts even like this. They have to have essentially no access beyond those things of sure. first, the first chapter of Romans. Mm-hmm. And so that was what we felt that we were called to. And so we, after discussing with Brother Jeff, then we also started discussing with some entities outside of Grace right. Life Church and found that there are ways, don't carry the missionary title with you, right. don't put down on your visa that you're going to be doing mission work, but just go there as you are and live out the life of Christ. Look for opportunities to to proclaim the gospel mm-hmm. without the missionary title. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's ultimately what led us to getting to China, because China is one of the countries that does not allow missionaries. Uh, they, they, you don't put on your visa application that you're going to do church work, mission work, or anything like that. You just put that you're going, and you don't lie on the mission, on the visa application. In our instance, the first couple of years that we were there, we were students studying the, the Chinese language, right. and so that's what our visa application said. But our purpose in being in missions, or in being China, rather, was the very same purpose that we all have in our existence and our lives here, even in the Shoals area. And that's to demonstrate the love of Christ in our activity and our lives before people. And whenever we have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them, to challenge them like Jesus did in his sermons, repent and believe the gospel. And so that, that call extends everywhere we go. So it doesn't matter if we're in a country close to missionaries or if we're here where we can do as we Mm. please within limits, I guess. Yeah. That still remains the same. Amen. I know you said the timeline is somewhat fuzzy here, but you know, from the time you guys hear Brother Jeff preach from Matthew 28, which is, as you guys said, is something of a line in the sand that the Holy Spirit, once again, is using to kind of, okay, you know, here's what the Word says. Are we going to act on this? What, how long then before you ultimately get to to China was was did that happen pretty quickly or was there a season of okay well hey there's I, I know there's logistics that are involved I I don't know what all those logistics are but how quickly did that process begin to move along at that point I was saved at, at age in ninety three and so we didn't leave the country until January of ninety seven so I think 
probably we were a couple of years, maybe 93, 94, 95, probably around maybe 95 that we started thinking yeah, Possibly even about a little it. bit less than... Yeah. We, we were kind of... Um, several things came into play with that. In the entity that we were going through, uh, of course, we still were being sent out by uh, Grace Lifer at that time, First Baptist uh, Muscle Shoals, but we were going through an arm um, that was, I uh, wouldn't say independent because we were supporting them, right. uh, but we're going through a different arm who had access to these third world countries or just non-missionary allowing countries. Right. Is that organization and still around? The one you guys yes. kind of went through? Okay. Yes, right. it IMB. is. Mm-hmm. Good. IMB. Oh, it was IMB. So yes. IMB was doing this. Okay. All right. Not under the IMB name, but under a different I name. I got you. Because of the, you mentioned the age of our children, which our oldest child at that point was approaching the age of 13. And one of their rules was to exercise a lot of caution in placing families in foreign countries with children that were close to that age. They also had a rule that you needed a certain number of semester hours of seminary. Okay. I'd had zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think so, they still require that too, by the way. Best I know, there's a certain like 18 hours or something like that. Something that like that. I couldn't yeah. remember what the exact number was. In our situation, they waived the seminary requirements mm-hmm. because we were going into an area where I was not going as a pastor because that would not have been allowed at all. That would have been an automatic visa uh, denial because we were going to an an area where I was not going to be a pastor. And because of the age of our children, I would say it was probably closer to a year between the time that we actually made first contact with that entity and the time we were actually going to be on the field. Okay. All right. Which is a little bit faster than pastor pace than usual. Okay. So, Linda, how about you from a wife and a mom's perspective? And obviously, that you know, you guys, Holy Spirit's work through the preaching of His Word. But, I, you know, when, when you start thinking about, okay, we're, we're about to leave, because you guys have talked a little bit about comfort zones already mm-hmm. and how the Lord had moved you out of, out of that into to yeah. grace life. That was a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And that, now you, you're talking about going to China. Mm-hmm. So, you know, walk me through a little bit of that. I mean, what was that? fearful for you and, and yes. I'm not talking about you were scared to death maybe you were well, but just close, close. That's okay <laughs> well, well, well what was that like from your perspective well, first of all I always say he's going to sit in the shadow of the throne I'm going to be in the back 40 I didn't like missionaries I didn't want when they came to church I'm like oh we're going to see these slides it's going to be so boring so I wasn't I was never kind of on that page right. until the Lord saved me but when he saved me I so wanted to serve and I just remember praying Lord I want you. To, I want to serve. I want to do anything, whatever. And so uh, it was that sermon. It was Brother Jeff's sermon. And the, the main thing I remember from that sermon, why should we hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ twice when there's people all over the world who's not heard at all? Right. And he talked about the availability of, you know, churches and all the stuff mm-hmm. here. But anyway, so then, yeah, we, I just, I, when then the mission thing kind of came up, yeah, we were both, it was just crazy. We were both having these things in our heart before we even came together and said, I think something's going on here. And I was so overjoyed to be saved. And when he first mentioned this, and if we, I remember he said, if we really believe God is who he says he is and Jesus is has done what he said he did and he's called us to go, what, I mean, how can we not go? And I'm like, yeah. And so we were, I was all about it. I was just all about it until the rubber starts to meet the road. <laughs> and then I just have a big old car wreck. I just come up, I have a come apart. It's the thought of taking, and, and, and I don't know what kind of crazy we bought into, but we built a house in 94 when we were already. Is that the one that, that you built beside us? No, that was prior. That's a yeah, That's yeah, prior. Okay. yeah. That was. I remember that. From yeah, a long I remember. Time ago, I remember so, you yeah. cutting grass on your the riding yep. lawn where you were. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was the one out in Louisville. Okay. It's a house, forty acres. It was like where I was going to raise my grandkids. This yeah. was like our. You had your life home. set. See, Everything was going to flow no according to plan, right? I had it all planned. Anyway, so yeah, then it we get we get down to it. We're here, and then I'm the kids are in Christian school. He's, you know, it was just like. So what are the what are those conversations like with your boys? 
I mean, that's not like saying, hey, boys, we're going to grandparents' you know house. It's like, hey, boys, we're going to China. They were all about it. Justin, yeah. so the, I am, they were worried about the teenager not doing well. They didn't know it was going to be the wife that was going to have the issues. <laughs> but anyway, they, the kids were about it. Emily yeah. was only six. She didn't know any different. Jason had a dog he loved. He, that was his thing. I'm not leaving my dog. But anyway, but they were good. Yeah. They, they, everything was good. And so we do. Mm-hmm. We pack up and... And I cried a lot. When we yeah. sold that house, I sat in the bathroom floor and I sobbed. <laughs> it was an ugly cry. But it was just, the Lord was, I knew it was right. right. I knew it was right. But I was kicking and screaming on the inside and a little bit on the outside, I'll be honest, yeah. I was. But I knew this is, and so it didn't really matter how I felt. We're going we're gonna to follow through. And I thought it was just the scariness of taking our kids into communist China, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know it was real scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but that was just the beginning of my descent. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so tell me about when you when you get to China. So obviously, you know, the Lord's called you here. You guys are, yeah. are settled. You're moving that way. Everything you're getting yeah. things settled here. When you get on the ground in China, in country. You know, how big of an adjustment was that? Uh, you know, how tough was it? How difficult was it? Obviously, you guys said you're going to be studying the language, which is obviously very different from, from our language. And so, uh, you know, a little bit about when you when you get into the country. What, what began to transpire then? It was a dark night of the soul. <laughs> very, very dark night. We went, our first little apartment was on the fourth or fifth floor, and they told us, be sure you put the toilet lid down at night because they turn the water off and the pipes are empty and rats crawl up oh. the toilet into the toilet bowl. And there's mold on the walls. It's so, And what part of China is this? This was in Guangxi province. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is this a large province, a lot, big population? Large, okay. Very right. large. Yeah, right. we were gotcha. in the capital city of that province. Okay. But it was, at that time, there weren't many foreigners there, and so we were looked at. They wanted, Emily was fair and blonde, so she right. they kept wanting to touch her and I would but anyway I remember this is we had just been there a night or two and someone was kind of showing us around the town and they were going to go out and eat and so we were walking down this little the sidewalk and he said okay if there's any animal lovers don't look left and so what are we going to do we're going to look left right and there's Fido hanging in the window skinned ready to eat so this person is showing you around town is this someone As an, like with the IMB no or? it was just another just so, just foreign it was a okay. foreigner okay. yeah it was a from England I think I don't yeah. know but anyway he was just showing us around so and I it just kind of it just went south really fast for me yeah. what I thought was culture shock and it was a major culture shock we couldn't I don't, honey, we couldn't even say hello in China. Well, maybe we could say hello. I don't know. I remember going to the market. It was an open-air market, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how much to stuff. And so I opened up my wallet, and here's the money I have, and I let them pull. It's a wonder. <laughs> they, they probably looked forward to you coming. They're they, like, hey, we like when she comes. <laughs> I'm over here. Goodbye uh, from me. But anyway, it was just very primitive where we were very very primitive and i just left my house on 40 acres with a barn and a fish pond and i brother jeff called randy because it ended up i i had i had a depression it Mm -hmm. turned into something a little bit darker than what i'd ever experienced before ended up getting clinically depressed i could still function and i still went through the motions but i was dying on the inside i felt like yeah and Brother Jeff called, and he was talking to Randy, and just, and what he said, what he said, you keep doing what you know to do is right. You stay in the Word. Mm-hmm. You keep praying. You just keep doing the next thing, what you know to do is right. And so that's what I did. And and I remember this so well. It was one of the times I was reading my Bible, probably crying, and I came to and I'm bad on addresses, guys. I think it's Mark 10, 29, maybe, that says no one has ever left mother, father, houses, brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. farms. And we had a barn, so I claimed yeah. that as a farm. <laughs> For my sake or the gospel state that you're not repaid 100-fold in the present age. And then it goes on. Right. But that's when it said in the present age, I said, Lord, help my unbelief. Not that you mm. go for a reward. I mean, that was sure. not, that was never, that wasn't it. But I thought, in the present age, what does that even mean? Yeah. But anyway, so time 
went on. After six months, though, I did get some counseling and just mm-hmm. some helps. And things, we actually moved to a different city, to a different province, okay. where it was just a little more modern. It was not quite as primitive as the first place. There was actually a school for an international school, okay. so the kids were able to go there, just taught by local other people like us. And that's how things were better. Things yeah. were better. And but you know what it was? We got we received a letter from a lady before we ever went into country. They knew, I mean, we were planning where we were going, we, the plans were being made. And she wrote this letter saying, Oh, and she was painted such a bleak picture of what it was like and how bad it's gonna be and how hard. Just want you to know it's gonna be, you know, you'll have to boil your water, you'll have to put Clorox in your vegetables, you'll have to do all these things. And I remember thinking, Miss Self Righteous Linda. Why not? She's not very godly, is she? What is her spiritual problem? And so I think I went to China like a big old bushy bush. You know, I was just, I was so adequate, I thought, in myself. And the Lord made me eat those words. My my critical, I had a critical fault-finding spirit of this woman who was really painting a pretty accurate picture. So he fed me those words with a golden spoon. Hmm. I had some pruning. He pruned me. So I went like a big old bush. By the time it was over, I was like sticks sticking up out <laughs> <by> the ground. <laughs> I still had some life in my roots, but yeah. boy, I was, I, he, it was a pruning time. But I, as hard as that was and as dark as that was for me, I would not trade it. I honestly wouldn't trade it because he taught me some things. I think I went because I've always been the people pleaser and the achiever and trying to do all the right things. Right that I think I was still working on earning his love a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what he taught me in that, what I fleshed out, was that if we had left home, which I was begging him to come home, Randy, mm-hmm. we got to come home. It hurts too bad. We're, this is not right. right. If we had left, I learned about his unconditional love. I went thinking I was still needing to earn his love, but he taught me about his unconditional love. If we had come home two days later, he wouldn't love me any less. Yeah. And so that was the greatest spiritual lesson I think I learned during that time. Yeah. But now I did, and I teasingly say that he kept the money locked away from me because he's thinking <laughs> I'd get an airline ticket and go home. Along with her passport. <laughs> and a passport, that and the passport. But you know what? And so I submitted to him because he said, Linda, it's not time. Yeah. It's not time. Yeah. And if we... Had if he had given in to his whiny, naggy wife, who was very much being fleshy, we would have missed what God had for us. Because mm-hmm. one year later, when we were at that orphanage and they placed this little dying baby girl in my arms, Mark ten twenty nine, the hundredfold, yeah. what he gave us, yeah. never saw that coming, mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so, that, so that was a year later. To the day, roughly almost. a year later. Roughly a year later. It was just in that, in that verse. We went to the orphanage, and the, what you can't go except by invitation. And so the Chinese doctor was out sick, and they needed somebody to see the sick babies. And somehow they knew about Randy, and so, and I had been to the orphanage before, and it would break my heart. And Anna Grace's orphanage, there were hundreds of children, but in the bed babies, there was probably. I don't know, Randy, 100, 200 babies, Mm. two to a bed, flies would be nesting in the corners of their eyes. It was just, and the Chinese word for mama is mama, using a certain tone. And they would go, mama, mama. And and so I said, I'm not going back anymore because I would come Mm. home and I would carry this burden and I would cry and I would like, Lord, what are we going to do? And I mean, we had, that's not why we were there. We were, had kids, they're teenagers now. But the Chinese doctor was sick. We went and we he was just seeing the sick babies, and so we're in the sick room. Fourteen babies died in two weeks. Wow. One lived, and that was Anna Grace. She was mm. the seventh child, and it she had bed sores. She couldn't. They had RSV, and there was uh, they didn't wash hands between babies. So if you had a compromised baby, uh, you know that All spread like it, yeah. wildfire. Mm. So she was separated away from the others. She was like against the wall in her little bed and the other babies were kind of in a huddle in the middle of the room so he was with the nurse and I thought this one had died because she was gray Mm -hmm. and I I lifted actually lifted the cover off of her the blanket off her chest just to see if there was movement and and she was alive 
So they just, when they don't sometimes maybe know what to do, they'll just sort of let nature take its course, you yeah. know. So it's, they thought there was an evil spirit in the orphanage, and that's what was taking their babies. It was a spirit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Wednesday, that was on Monday. Wednesday, he couldn't go back, but I went with another local foreign doctor from the States, and Randy had said, and I actually named her that night because I knew if this baby lived, it would be the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And Anna also means gracious. And I knew it would just be God's grace if she lived. But anyway, so the went back on Wednesday, and Randy said, see if they'll let us bring her out to, to treat her, to try to get nourishment, because she couldn't right. suck a bottle and breathe at the same time. Mm-hmm. So she was so she weighed like four pounds at two and a half months. But anyway, so they said, no, we don't do that. But they went and asked the director, and it was like checking out a library book. They came and laid this baby in my arms and gave me a few diapers and sent us on our way and said, mm-hmm. be back in 30 days because she'll be dead or better. And so that night at home, she did not have any intake. She couldn't swallow. And so we went to the hospital, and she was there for close to a month, I guess, honey, three and a half weeks, four mm-hmm. maybe. And um, it was during that time. Of course, I'm an easy book to read. And Randy knew my quiver was not quite full. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, I didn't want to be, oh, Randy, we got to adopt. I want her, I want her. And he knows, but he knows. And he's, so I didn't say anything. And I was praying, Lord, if this is, you know, what, if this is your will, speak to his heart. And so mm-hmm. it was in the hospital that he said, Linda, we need to talk about making her um, part of our family. And after I tur- quit turning cartwheels in the hallway, <laughs> yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it was really neat in the hospital, though, because you'd have like six beds in one room. And so we were the, I was the only white face there. So people that didn't know us would come because they wanted to see what a white baby looked like, a mm-hmm. Caucasian baby. And they would see that it was Chinese and it was, well, why do you care? She's not your blood. Yeah. And so it opened the door for just planting seeds, you know, yeah. that God has shed his, what he's done for us and how he's still loved us. And it, it opened doors for me to be able to share uh, the gospel as well as I possibly right. you know with, with yeah. people. So anyway, Amen, Amen. Praise the Lord, Randy. A little bit about your work while you were there in China, and, and obviously you're there not as a missionary right. per se, but obviously you guys' motivation in going was to to plant those seeds right, and right. share the love of Christ and the gospel with others. So, um, you know, how did that transpire in your time there, and and, and maybe some. Some examples of how the Lord gave you guys some opportunities to minister the gospel. The the essentially the way that we worked there was in the area of poverty relief, okay. and so I was able to join a, an organization there whose purpose, at least as far as the paper, the approvals, and that sort of thing, was for poverty relief within China. So the city that we worked out of was the capital city for the province. And the province itself, once you got away from the capital city, was actually quite poor. Areas where there was no electricity, no running water, no significant health care, all of those things. And we were working in the middle of a fairly large group of people, as far as the people that were doing the work, mm-hmm. who were from actually from different countries. So not everyone was from the United States. We had people from various countries, including some countries where they grew up speaking Chinese. And so we had people who were also Chinese speaking who could go out and work with us. So we would go out and do these poverty relief organizations, would do clinics, and eventually became involved in teaching people things like just very basic health things. Health things are taught in school here, you know. Trying sanitation type things, basic first aid. When is somebody looking really sick, you need to try to get them somewhere where there's more advanced help. And in a lot of areas, it was very difficult to get to areas where there were more advanced health. And of course, in the midst of all of that, um, still keep the primary focus involved. Uh, or in in our mind, that we need to be looking to share with people, why are we doing this? And we're doing it because, first of all, Jesus showed compassion for those that he came in contact with. He healed those that were sick. He healed those who had problems. 
But most of all, Jesus' primary sermon was always repent and believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that was the primary message we wanted to leave people there with. And so we looked for opportunities to do that, and those opportunities would invariably always arise. So even though we couldn't technically go out and preach to people, if you've got a group of six or eight people sitting around you and you can open up the Word and start reading the Word to them and and essentially teaching them about sin, about what Christ did to pay for their sins and that sort of thing, then that's proclaiming yep. the Word. Yeah. 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 So you guys were there four Ish years? About four and a half years four and in half country, years. Yeah, yeah. And so when you guys came back, was that, did you guys have like the, a four and a half year commitment or was there, there things you said, okay, I, I think maybe our time here is done and the Lord's leading us back? Mm-hmm. How that did that work? That was kind of the sense, what okay. you say, honey? Yeah, we, was, um, we weren't necessarily, a, I mean, the commitment, um, I think, is a, like a five-year commitment, but then you have a year back in the States or some such as that. Gotcha. But at the time, we were also at the point where our oldest child was ready to start college. We had uh, had Anna Grace, which she was our the fourth child that came along while we right. were in China. So we had her, and uh, we just you know was the work in that country completed? Absolutely not. No more than it is anywhere else in the world. Yeah. It's completed when when the Lord returns, Amen. and it doesn't complete itself until mm-hmm. then. But we just felt from our standpoint that the Lord had grown us tremendously during the time that we were in China. And we felt, I guess, the relief, release rather, not relief, but the release from the Lord to come back to the States to get our oldest child in college. We, and once he got there, then a couple of years later we'd have another one and so on. Yeah. And so we came back and gotcha. came yeah. back to... Grace Life. Came back still to Grace here. Life. Still here. So, okay, so let me let me fast forward just a bit because in, in a couple of Sundays, Dr. Pounders, you're, you're going to preach for us here at Grace Life. <laughs> you, you're going to preach a little bit. Now, this is coming from Brother Steve, so correct me if I've gotten this lost, but a little bit on, on medicine and the Bible and what God's Word has to say about this and how those things kind of come together. So give me a preview if you can, because of, of, <laughs> Brother Steve has, has gone on and on about, man, Dr. Pounders did this. when he went on a mystery. It was great. Man, our people need to hear it. And so I'm looking forward to it. Now, I don't want you to give it all right, right here, but you know, a, a snippet, a little bit of a preview here of, of what this session is going to entail in a couple of weeks here at Grace Life. Okay, well, first of all, it still is a work in progress. <laughs> yes, I did this in Austria last year. But every time I pick up my outline, I'm tweaking it more. Sure. I guess the... The bottom line on it is to try to connect the dots, so to speak, with health, sickness, injury, uh, inevitable death, and where's the place of faith in all of this? Okay, great. You know, what what does it mean to have faith and then still try to get help for sure. physical problems or injuries? Right. What does it mean that we're all going to eventually die, mm-hmm. and what do we need to be doing to prepare for that? And so I try to I go back to where is the origin of sickness, injury, any kind of physical calamity, and death. What is the origin all of all of that? Right. Uh, of course, the origin of that is sin, and then just kind of go through. So if we have the origin as sin, does that mean Every time I get a cold, I've sinned, or does it mean it's just the result of sin being in me, in, in the world? Mm-hmm. And then I go through that, go through the different things, talking about avenues for trying to keep our health good, go into miracles. Should I expect miracles today, okay. or is that something just from biblical times? And then also try to land on the most, most important thing. What about me? What do I do when I'm sick? But above all, am I prepared for that inevitable yeah. death? Amen. Great. Looking forward to it. So it's going to be good. I'm excited. Are you excited about it? More nervous than excited. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. This is the Sunday good. morning service. I don't, yeah. I've never done that. Yeah, not here. No, it'll be great. We're looking forward to it. Well, listen, guys, I, you know, um, Gosh, we could probably spend another hour just talking just about your time in China and, and 
you know, and, and we really didn't even talk about your time coming back. And, man, just the providence of God in you guys' lives mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how, how he worked to take you from, from being like me, someone who's just going to be a law keeper, got to do this, do that, to, mm-hmm. to saving you, giving you a new heart, and giving you a desire to serve him, not only serve him here at Grace Life. And you guys have done that in a lot of different ways uh, through the years right here at Grace Life Church of the Shoals, but also taking you to, to China where you're able to share the gospel there. Um, the Lord gave you a new family member while you were there and, and now back and semi-retired, but still going to do some teaching for us here in a couple of weeks. And so just appreciate you guys being willing to share some of your Grace Life story. And uh, as I always like to remind folks on this podcast, your Grace Life story is not done. Uh, you still have time here to serve the Lord and to serve Him in the context of Grace Life and then however else He would have you to serve. So thank you guys for being with us today. We're looking forward to that sermon and just to seeing how the Lord's going to continue to use you guys. All right? Thank All right. you, Brother Thank Matt. you. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you so much. Thank you all. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story as members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.